Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Are y'all ready for the message this morning? Are y'all ready for the message this morning? All right, now listen. That 9 a.m. crowd, I thought it was going to be like quiet. I thought that they'd be still waking up. But they backed up Pastor Josh this morning, so I'm going to need a little bit of help. How many are you going to help me preach this morning? All right. So go with me to John chapter 20. A few verses that we're going to read here begins as follows. On the evening of that first day of the week, when, Jesus, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands, his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And then again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I am calling finding faith. Finding faith. Let's all pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that you are doing here today on this beautiful Resurrection Sunday. I pray, God, now in the name of Jesus that you open up our hearts and our minds to hear your word. I pray, Father, that you help us to block off the distractions, the things that are competing for our attention. And for the next 20 minutes, would we just lean in to hear what your scripture said 2,000 years ago and what it is saying to us today. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated. I'm calling this thought finding faith. Now, if it was a regular Sunday at Lighthouse Church, because, you know, we got all a little dressed up for Easter Sunday. Normally, I'm wearing Jordans and some stressed out jeans. But, like, like, like I would call this message, your dashboard is broken. Your dashboard is broken. But because it's Easter Sunday and we're on our best behavior and dressed to the T's, I'm going to call it finding faith. Um, you know, every car's got a dashboard, and it's really important. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the dashboard on your car? We kind of take it for granted, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it's a game changer, because if you didn't have a gas, if you did not have a dashboard, you'd be, like, trying to calculate just how much gas you had on your tank, you know what I mean? You'd be tracking the miles. It'd be a lot of work trying to track how much gas you had in the vehicle of your car. You don't have to do that because you have a dashboard. So don't sleep on that dashboard, Lighthouse. It's really, really important. Let me tell you a funny story about a dashboard. So in 2020, uh, when it was safe to go out, uh, my family and I, we went on a road trip. And we were doing a four-state road trip with those same energetic three boys that I just showed you a picture of. And so, you know, I, I, I was born at night but not born last night. So I rented a large vehicle where we could spread out or I didn't have to worry about my boys fighting with one another. So we rented this vehicle, and it was a, it's a large SUV, a Chevy Tahoe third-row option. It was hooked up. I didn't know that they were going to give us a brand-new Tahoe when I rented it. I was just, you know, you just put in the request, and they drop out this car. I mean, this car was so new, it still had the plastic inside. You know what I mean? Like, like the, it, it had this television screen inside. still had the plastic inside. I mean, I ripped that bad boy off so quick because there is nothing more fulfilling than ripping the plastic off a brand-new device, huh? Come on. How many people in this room, you just love it. You got that new phone, and you're like, ooh. It feels so good to just rip that plastic off. Now, there's some of you, you'll keep that plastic on for like a month. What's wrong with you? 
Like some of you would just keep it there, you know what I mean? Looking all dusty, but you just do that. Anyway, I'm not that guy. So I was peeling off the plastic. I'm like, guys, this is a new vehicle. Like this is a new, new vehicle. So I'm excited for our road trip. Well, the first leg of our road trip, we were going to be pulling into our hotel right about 1030 at night. So we had been driving all day. And um, thank God for the dashboard. Thank God for the gas gauge. And it was saying, um, it gives you that little 50-mile warning light. How many of the minute you see that 50-mile warning light, like you're, th- you're in, you're going right, right to the gas station. Where you at? Raise your hand. Loud and proud. 50 miles. That's it. You ain't risking it. Now, how many of you will take that sucker to zero and pray? Like, you've never prayed so hard as when you took it to zero. And you're like, that zero is just a warning. I got 10. I know I got 10 more miles in here. (laughs) So the gas gauge on my vehicle said 24 miles until empty. That's plenty. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that is plenty, 24 miles. And so we're going up this hill, and the gas station is only four miles away. So I like my odds. You know what I mean? Like, 24, 4, we're going to be just fine. Let's go to that gas station that's four miles away. So we're going up this hill. We're going up this hill. We're going up this hill. And the gas station is right at the bottom of the hill. So I'm like, okay, we're going to go up this hill. We're going to drop down. We're going to drop right to the gas station. And I got 24 miles to go. Or so I thought. Because when I got to the top of the hill, the car turned off. I was out of gas on the very first leg of our road trip through four different states. And the vehicle powers off, right? And we're coasting. And I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, Joanna's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, we're out of gas. How are we out of gas? I don't know. It says 24 miles, and we're somehow out of gas. Now, I don't know if it was dumb luck or the grace of God, but because that gas station was on the bottom of the hill, I coasted that sucker all (laughs) the way down, and I went right to the pump. I mean, like, right to the pump. I mean, and me and my wife, we looked at each other. We had that look, like, oh, my goodness. Like, that could have been bad. Your pastor could have been doing the walk of shame, y'all. You know what I'm talking about? When you just misjudged it, and you're walking around with that red canister because you got to go put gas on it, and you're like, just like, good Lord. I was getting ready to do the walk of shame. But God. Somebody say, but God. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) And, and so the dashboard, as great as it is, it's only great when it works. It's only great when it works because what I was seeing with my eyes didn't match what was going on inside the vehicle. It said, my eyes told me I had 24 miles to go, but that gas tank said, now you're out, you're out. And I was listening to what I was seeing. I was following what I was seeing. And here in the text, I think we kind of run into a situation where what they saw wasn't matching what they felt. What they were seeing externally with their eyes didn't match what they were feeling internally. And that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. So here, when we get to John chapter 20, Jesus had just resurrected that morning. The Bible says that early Sunday morning, Jesus resurrects from the grave and he first shows himself to some of the women that had come to the tomb. And so Jesus is, he's alive now. He has shown himself to women at the tomb. And now it's the evening and he's getting ready to reveal himself to his 12 disciples or 11 because Judas was gone. So he's getting ready to show himself to his disciples. Now the Bible says that they had gone into the house and locked themselves in. The Bible says they locked themselves in for fear. Somebody say fear. Fear out of the Jewish leaders. Now, before you feel judgmental at these 12 disciples, let me tell you something about fear because I I read up on fear. Fear is a feeling that everyone has to learn to deal with. We're all going to deal with fear. No one is exempt from dealing with fear. As a matter of fact, fear is the most natural and the most common consequence of facing a new challenge. 
every time you face a new challenge, there's a degree of fear that you're going to deal with. Anytime you're dealing with something new, you're going to deal with some amount of fear. And the Bible says they were in there because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now, now, this is interesting to me because they were never afraid of the Jewish leaders before. I mean, as long as Jesus was there, I mean, the Jewish leaders would come and they tried to trap Jesus in his words. But Jesus was like the ultimate cheat code. He would just like he would just quote scriptures to them and interpret it and translate it. And he would always just send the, the, the judgmental and the hypocritical Jewish leaders away with their tails between their legs because Jesus had them. But now Jesus is gone. And, and the, the, the disciples are like that annoying little brother that as long as his big brother's around, they're real brave. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you were that little brother or maybe you were the big brother, whichever. But, but, but that's, that's what the disciples were feeling now. It's like Jesus is gone, so we got a new challenge, meaning they were afraid. Now, I think that this is so um, reminiscent to what we've been dealing with because, like I said a minute ago, when you face a new challenge, you deal with fear. And, and a few years ago, we had a brand new challenge because it was a brand new virus that we knew nothing about. And it brought a little fear. It brought a lot of fear, not just into our nation. It brought fear into this world. Somebody say it was a new challenge. It was a new challenge. And then we had new policies because they're trying to figure out how to keep people safe. So we're having to deal with new policies and the new challenges that those presented. And then we're thinking that we're coming out of this, right? So, so now we're coming out of this pandemic. Oh, no, we got a variant. We're going back into it. Now we're coming out of it. Oh, no, we got another variant going back into it. So we're dealing with just this constant newness, newness, newness. And then just when it feels like everything's going okay, a war breaks out on the other side of the world, and now bread's expensive, gas is expensive. I mean, like everything's expensive, right? Like everything is expensive. Somebody say new. So we're dealing with all of these new challenges, and what happens is all of these new challenges produce fear on the inside of people. There's a lot of people dealing with a lot of fear, just like the disciples dealt with fear. So when Jesus comes into the room, I want you to watch what he does. When Jesus comes in, he doesn't show himself resurrected and say to them, be happy, I'm here. Y'all get joyful. Daddy's home. Look alive. No, he don't do any of that. He just says to them, peace be unto you. And they're just freaking out. They're like, oh, my God, is that him? Is that him? And then he says it one more time. He says, peace be unto you. Anytime Jesus repeats himself, he repeats himself for your benefit. I want you to know that. He don't have a stuttering problem. So whenever Jesus repeats something, he's saying it because it's really important and you need to get it. So what is he talking about? Why is he talking about peace? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Peace is the promise of his presence. Peace is the promise of his presence. It's the promise that his presence is with you. It's the promise that because Jesus resurrected, you'll never be alone again. It's the promise that he's going to be with you no matter what you go through in life. Somebody say peace. See, there's a lot of misnomers about Christians. There's a lot of misnomers about people who follow Jesus. Sometimes people who don't know about Jesus and don't really know about what it means to follow Jesus falsely assume that because you follow Jesus, you think you ain't got no problems. People will think about those who follow Jesus that because you follow Jesus, you think you don't have a struggle. You think you don't have any difficulty. But where are all my real people that have been following Jesus a long time that know, hey, I follow Jesus and I'm still jacked up. Come on, where you at this morning? 
How many of you know, like, like, I follow Jesus, but I still have struggles. I follow Jesus, but I still have difficulties. I follow Jesus, and I still have bad days. But here's the deal. He doesn't come in and say, cheer up. He doesn't come in and say, chin up. He doesn't come in and say, come on, boy, let's get your life together. No, no, no. What he does is he says, peace be unto you. Because as long as I have peace, I know that I can get through my struggle. As long as I have peace, I know that I can get through my dark night. As long as I have peace, because peace is his presence, then that means his presence is with me. Every time I go through something, he promises to never leave me. That's the promise that we have in him. It's not that I'm never going to have a bad day, but the promise is that even when I have a bad day, he's with me. That's the promise of peace. That's why he comes in and he says, I'm giving you my peace. I'm going to give you peace because you're going to go through hell sometimes, but I'm going to be right there with you. Have you ever gone through hell and some of your coworkers are looking at you and like, why are you still smiling? And you're like, I don't know. But I have Jesus, and I know that as long as I have Jesus, everything's going to be okay. I know that as long as I have Jesus, it's going to be all right. What's tomorrow going to look like? I have no idea. I have no idea what tomorrow looks like. But I know who does know what tomorrow looks like. He knows what tomorrow looks like. So I'm going to put all my trust, all of my faith, and all of my confidence in him. Come on, somebody say peace. Peace is what we have. Peace is the promise from the Father. And here's another thing you need to know about peace and what you need to know about fear. Just because I feel afraid doesn't mean I have to live in fear. Let's say that one more time so it sets in. Just because I feel afraid doesn't mean I have to live in fear. Yes, challenges are going to produce fear. It's normal. It's okay to feel afraid. Let me set you free right now. If you feel afraid, it doesn't make you less spiritual. It makes you normal. When you feel afraid, it just makes you normal. Last year, my wife and I, we had big adjustments in our life. She changed jobs. We relocated from the South Bay up to North County to be closer to the church because church was just going ham. I mean, church was going ham. I mean, y'all remember last summer? Y'all nearly killed me. Like, we got the building, and we just went crazy. You know what I mean? Like, every weekend we were doing something at the church. We were having so much fun. That's what happens when you're in a warehouse with turkeys, and then you get to come and have a building of your own. So we were going at a fast pace, and so we knew that it was time to make the move up to North County. And so, you know, my wife's got a new job. We got a new house. My boys are in a new school. My son has a new football team. Like, everything's new. Like, everything's just like new, new, new. And for the first time in my life, I started dealing with anxiety attacks. I never had anxiety in my life. You know, I grew up in church my whole life, so I get, like, super spiritual. And I'm like, if you're dealing with anxiety, just go to the altar and pray it away. You know what I mean? It's like, have the brother pray for you. Not him. He's not anointed. That one, he's more anointed. You know what I mean? It's like, like I grew up in church where everything got solved with a good altar call. I was praying and nothing was working. And I was like, God, are you just calling me to deal with this? And I never dealt with that level of anxiety before. But here's the deal. I was going through so much change. Changes, challenges produce fear. And so I was dealing with all kinds of anxiety. And then I heard something that really tipped me off to, to moving on the offensive with dealing with this. I heard that gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist. Gratitude and anxiety, they, they, they can't coexist. So I started being very grateful for everything that God has been doing in my life. I got a gratitude journal. I'm not the journaling type, guys, okay? I'm NFL guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't look at me that way. Some are like, he got a journal. Yeah, I got a journal. <laughs> and I started writing down the things 
that I was thankful for. I started writing down all of God's blessings in my life. And as I began to write down all of the things that God was doing in my life, anxiety began to leave. Fear began to go because I started seeing and I started remembering and I started declaring the goodness of God over my life. I could either see the problems or I could see the things that God had done in my life. And I chose to see the good. Sometimes you're looking at the wrong thing. Talking about dashboards a minute ago. Sometimes you're looking at the dashboard of your life and you're looking at, at a dashboard that's wrong. And it's producing all kinds of fear in your life. It's producing all kinds of anxiety in your life. Why? Because the dashboard's broken. You're looking at a dashboard that this world created for you rather than what the word of God created for you. You're looking at a dashboard. Is the house big enough? You're looking at a dashboard. Is the salary big enough? You're looking at a dashboard. Do I have enough Instagram followers? You're looking at a dashboard that, 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 is, that matters nothing in the eyes of God. And because you're looking at the wrong dashboard, you're feeling empty on the inside. You have got to look at the dashboard that matters, and you have got to get heaven's perspective. you got to start seeing what he sees. And when you see what he sees, you can thank God for what he's doing in your life and fear and doubt and insecurity and every lie that the enemy is whispering in your ear has to go. Why? Because I'm looking at a dashboard that matters. I'm focusing my eyes and my faith on something that matters. So Jesus comes in and he speaks peace over them, but he's not done. The Bible says the very next thing he does, and it's maybe one of the most interesting things that Jesus does, and he did a lot of interesting things in the Bible. The Bible says that he breathed on them. He said, receive you the Holy Spirit. Hey, y'all, that's kind of weird. <laughs> you don't think it's weird? Let me breathe on you. <laughs> it's okay, right? It's a little, it's like, that's a little different. It's a little different, Jesus. I mean, he did some different things. That, that was a little different. And I thought it was a little different too, but don't miss the importance of what's happening. He's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And, and, and in order to understand what the Holy Spirit brings with it, we got to go to Acts 1 and 8. Acts 1 and 8 says this, but you will receive, somebody say it, power. Let's do it one more time. But you will receive when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So he wasn't breathing on them to just breathe some nice breath on them. He was breathing the power of his spirit over their life because here's the deal. They needed peace to deal with what was going on inside of them, but they needed power to deal with what was going on outside of the house they locked themselves in. And he said, you're going to need both. I'm going to give you peace to deal with the internal, and I'm going to give you power to deal with the external. Write this down. God's spirit in us gives us the power to overcome what is happening around us. How many of you know you can't control everything that happens around you? I know you got OCD and you want to control everything. Where are all my OCD people at? You get triggered when I say you can't control everything. You're like, try me. Try me, pastor. Try me. But, but you can't. There's just some people that ain't going to like you. No matter what you do, no matter. I mean, sometimes you do things out of the goodness of your heart and people misinterpret it and you can't control how they feel. And, and you will go crazy trying to make everybody like you. But listen to me. If you want everyone to like you, sell ice cream. <laughs> That's about it. That's all you can do. People just ain't going to like you. And listen, you can't control it. Sometimes your coworkers going to feel a certain way about you. And guess what? You can't control it. The economy is just going to do its thing and you can't control it. I need power because when I go to the pub, I'm crying because gas is so expensive. 
And no amount of praying is going to make the gas prices drop. I wish they would. We'd call us into a 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'd do the world a favor and pray until the gas prices came down. But sometimes things are just beyond your control. And what you need is the power of the Holy Spirit. Some things are beyond your control. And what you need is the power of God's spirit on the inside of you that enables you to get up and get out of your house in the morning and to deal with everything that's going on outside. He said, I'm giving you peace, but I'm also giving you my power. Because here's the deal. You need the spirit of God. You need the Holy Spirit in your life to help you overcome the things that are making you feel anxious. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the things that are making you feel depressed. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to deal with the things that are happening at work. Things that you can't control, but you got to deal with. And so God puts his spirit on the inside of you. How many of y'all need more of God's spirit on the inside of you? I need more of his spirit. And the darker this world gets, the more I need him. And the darker this world gets, the more I need his spirit on the inside of me. But here's the problem. We become like Thomas. Let me read about Thomas. He was one of the 11 that wasn't around when Jesus showed up. And this is what the Bible says. Now Thomas, one of the 12, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. I mean, talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time, right? Of all the places Thomas could have been, he won with the disciples. And so the Bible says, so the other disciples told Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Thomas said to them, like Thomas had no chill. He said, unless I see, somebody say see. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, a week later, how about that? One week later, one week later, the disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. I love this part right here because Jesus did some matrix stuff right here. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Like he just appeared. You know what I mean? I just watched that Sonic movie with my kids. I don't know if he threw a ring and walked into the room or what. But it was like, like he just, the Bible says Jesus appeared even though the doors were locked. And what does he say? He's now saying a third time, peace be with you. He said, I kind of bring you peace. But then he looks at Thomas, the doubter, and he says to them, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Somebody say believe. believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Watch this now. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believe. Blessed are those who don't see. Blessed are those that don't have their eyes on the dashboard, yet they still believe. Blessed are those that don't have to touch my nail-scarred hands. Blessed are those that don't have to put their hands into my side. Blessed are those who don't see, and yet they still believe. Because here's the truth. Our ability to receive peace and to receive the Holy Spirit is solely an act of belief. I can't give you peace. I can't say, come stretch out your hand, and I put peace in your hand. I can't put power on you. I know you don't want me breathing on you, so we ain't gonna do that today. But but I can't give you it. The only thing I can tell you to do is to believe. Jesus tells Thomas, "Hey, you get to touch my nail scar hands." And as cool as this is, you know what would have been cooler, Thomas, if you just would have believed without seeing. You would have been more blessed. 
Now, now I'm here because Jesus don't leave the 99, right? He, he, he will keep chasing you, as my wife so eloquently said earlier this morning. He will keep chasing you. He will keep pursuing you. But he does say it's more blessed when you believe, even if you don't see Thomas. And so today, I really want to encourage you to grab a hold of God's peace and to grab a hold of God's power. Today, I want you to stop looking at the dashboard of your life. Stop looking at the dashboard of this world. Pastor, how can I get peace? Gas prices are crazy. Pastor, how can I get peace? Bread is expensive. Pastor, how can I have peace? In the middle of all this stuff, this is when you really need peace. The darker the world gets, the more peace you're going to need. The darker the world gets, the more of his spirit you're going to need on the inside of you. And the only way you're going to receive this peace and the only way you're going to receive this power is if you believe. And I love what Jesus says about belief. We call this in the church faith. Somebody say faith. Faith. It's belief. Believing in what you can't see. Jesus said this about faith. He says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Somebody say a seed. Jesus gives us the DNA of faith right there. He says faith begins as a seed and it grows he says if you have faith the size of a seed it will grow large enough that you can move mountains now that don't mean literal mountains some of y'all like how am I going to move a mountain but you go through some mountains in your life that you need faith to move out of your way some of you go through some hurt some heartache divorce family breaking apart all kinds of stuff that just feel like mountains mountains Mountains, And he's saying, if you get faith on the inside of you, you can move that mountain. But pastor, I, I don't know if I have your type of faith. Listen, I didn't have my type of faith either. I grew up, I grew up in a family of pastors and preachers. I mean, my grandfather, pastors, aunts, uncles, all working tirelessly in the church. This felt like something very naturally that I was supposed to do. But in my later 20s, I went the business route. I was like, you know, pastoring school. I'll do that on my free time. I'm going to make money. I'm going to make a lot of money. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I want to do. And so I got my degree in business. I got a graduate degree in business. I was working for a very large company, making great money, really pursuing that lifestyle. Because there was a dashboard of what I thought success looked like. There was a dashboard that told me success was the house, success was the money, success was the car, success was the influence. That was my dashboard. And God never stopped calling me. And then I remember being at a service one time. I went to go hear this preacher. He came all the way from Australia, so I figured I can go up the street to hear him. And as he's preaching, yeah, as he's preaching, the word of God spirited me like a ton of bricks. Quit your job and go work for the church. Because my pastor at the time, he had been asking me, quit your job and come work for the church. And I was like, ha, ha, that's funny. I'm not leaving my job. You can't pay me. Church can't pay me like my job pays me. But God kept on working on me. And again, I'm looking at the dashboard. And I'm like, but, but if I go work at the church, this is going to go down, and this is going to go down, and this is going to go, and I've worked so hard, but all of this is going to go down, because I was looking at the wrong dashboard. Well, let me tell you something. I took my faith. Somebody say faith. A one-year leave of absence. I said, okay. I, I told my boss, I said, I'm going to take a one-year leave of absence. I'm going to go work for my church. He thought I was crazy. I said, just give me one year. We're in the mid We're about to enter a $10 million building project. They need help. Let me go help. My bosses aren't crying. Go take a one-year leave of absence. December rolls around, and we're not done. They're like, you ready to come back? No, we're not done yet. Well, your one-year leave of absence is up. 
Okay, so I resign. And when I'm ready to come back, I'll come back. Okay. Two years go by. Three years go by. I would get a message from him. He said, are you done messing around with that church? You're going to come back to work? Like, no, no, I'm, I'm still messing around with that church. And I stayed here. And even though the initial dashboard that I was looking at was telling me everything was going down, I began to see a new dashboard. I began to see an eternal dashboard. I began to see a dashboard that, didn't ma- that did not measure the temporary, but it measured the eternal. And I began to see that I was making an eternal difference. I began to see that my life is not my own. I began to see that though I wasn't making as much money, I was seeing a reward that is a paycheck and lives being changed. And I was starting to see a dashboard that was all different now. And what I saw was something I, to this day, I've never gone back. And even last December, I I had lunch with someone. I was like, y'all ready to come back? I'm "I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back because I am going after something that has eternal significance. I am going after something that has eternal consequence. Was I afraid? Absolutely. But what it took was just a little bit of faith on the inside of me. And today, Lighthouse Church, I want to pray for you that you too would allow faith to be deposited on the inside of you. Faith the size of a seed that when watered by the presence of God, when watered by the word of God, when watered in the context of a faith community, you will see a harvest in your life. Let me lead you in a prayer right where you're at. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence that is here. We thank you for your spirit. God, right now, I just pray that every person in this room that they would stop looking at a dashboard that's broken, that we would not measure success or worth or value by the standards of this world, but we would start to look at a worth that is eternal, that we would start to measure ourselves based off of the significance seen in heaven. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for seeds to be deposited into the lives of people in this room, people that are here just to play, the people that are here just to appease their family member, people that don't even want to be here at this moment, just waiting for me to get off of this stage. Would you put a seed in them right now, God? Would you just deposit seeds of faith in the inside of them right now, Father? And would your spirit come and just begin to bring water? Would they find a community here? Would they find a community in your word? Would they just begin to water the seed of faith over their life right now and let it grow richly and let it go beautifully into the harvest that you have for them? In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, Lighthouse. Let's stand on our feet. Let's clap our hands together. Let's enter one more time into a moment of worship right there where you're at. Come on, let's raise our hands and let's worship for just a few more minutes before we go today. Come on, let's worship him this Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, God. Come on, we worship him because he rose this morning. Come on, we worship him because he reigns. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.